Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Mastering the Room, brought to you by the Graduate School of Political Management at the George Washington University. I'm your host, Steve Pierce. Every episode on the show, we'll sit down with some of the brightest minds in politics, advocacy, and communications. They'll give us a behind-the-scenes look inside the room where it happens, share how their graduate school experience at GSPM helped them get an inside track to professional success, and how it can help leaders like you do the same. New episodes drop every other Monday, so be sure to subscribe to Mastering the Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcast listening app may be. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating or a review. Just a few seconds of your time can help us spread the word and reach more listeners just like you. And if you want to learn more about GSPM, feel free to check out our website at www.gspm.gwu.edu. And now, without further ado, here's a brand new episode of Mastering the Room. Hello and welcome to Mastering the Room. I'm your host, Steve Pierce. Every week we take a behind-the-scenes look inside the room where it happens, guided by some of the brightest minds in politics, advocacy, and communications. This week on the show, we're joined by Austin Weatherford, an alumnus of the political management program at GSPM and a veteran of the legislative branch who has spent the better part of two decades working on Capitol Hill in a variety of roles, including as a longtime aide to Republican House members like Congressman Mike Conaway of Texas and Charles DeJoux of Hawaii. Currently, he serves as chief of staff to Congressman Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, a role he's held for the past eight years as Congressman Kinzinger has become one of the most distinctive voices in his party and in our national political conversation writ large. As a result, Austin's picked up a wealth of knowledge about how Congress works and been smack dab in the middle of some of the biggest political moments of our time. So we're extremely lucky to have him here with us today. Austin, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, for taking so much time to join us. Steve, thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me in. And uh, I just have to say kudos to you for five seasons of of this podcast. I've worked a few podcasts myself, and I think you must be in the 99.9 percentile podcast because I know they they normally only uh, last about four episodes before they uh, get canceled or stop being uh, recorded. So kudos and, and great job on all of them. I've enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much, sir. We uh, we just like to keep trucking here. We uh, we're trying to beat the odds of the uh, <laughs> the early podcast death, and so far, so good. Um, if you've listened to this show, and I think all our listeners know, we always start at the same place here, which is at the beginning. So let's start at the beginning. Where does uh, the story of Austin Weatherford begin? Kind of where were you born? What was your family like? What were you like as a kid? How how did this all how did this all get going? Yeah, no, Steve. Well, I'm from a farming, ranching uh, part of the country in West Texas. Uh, You know, people born there are independent-minded, libertarian. You know, they really think that, uh, you know, if you don't bother their life, work, family, or faith, they don't really care what you're doing in your little world. A lot of wide open spaces, um, which allows people to kind of feel like their, you know, government's not part of their life, which, as we all know, government's part of all of our lives. Um, more so than others, even when you don't think so. Um, some of your listeners will probably tune me out when I say this, but um, and and just so you know, I've changed a lot since then. But I was a Rush Limbaugh baby, so uh-huh. I, uh, you know, I grew up uh, in in junior high and and younger, listening to Rush Limbaugh in my mom's car as she picked me up from school every afternoon. Um, so it was kind of a 
you know, that, that helped form my conservative beliefs and values. And, and I was that nerd that would rush home after school uh, during the Clinton impeachment hearings um, <laughs> and watch, uh, you know, watch Maxine Waters and some of the other characters uh, during that, that, those, that trial and the impeachment pr- proceedings. So, yeah, I've been, a, I've been involved in politics a long time. I went to school in uh, South Carolina and uh, became state chairman of college Republicans there and helped, you know, bring in all the controversial speakers that you can think of um, mm-hmm. on the campuses. And then I did a lot of internships. Uh, I actually interned for Ralph Reed in um, Atlanta and Tim Phillips. Um, you probably know them. They're still involved in politics today and, um, you know, learned a lot from them. And they actually... Uh, told me that I should go to the Hill after I graduated. And, uh, you know, I hadn't really thought about it at the time, like the Hill, you know, I don't really know if I want to do that. I think it's, you know, I, I kind of enjoy politics more, but they said, no, you'll get great experience. You'll enjoy it a lot. And so um, in the 04 cycle, I was actually working for, uh, working to help elect uh, Tom Coburn in Oklahoma. And, um, I knew I wanted to go to, to D.C. I wasn't sure how I was going to get there, but my hometown member, Mr. Mike Conaway, he wasn't a member yet. He was going to be a member because the district is dark red as you can get. Um, I ended up sending my resume and had a few people call in some favors, and the chief of staff saw my resume and saw my political experience and um, ended up hiring me in December before he was brought to D.C. So. That's uh, that's where I started, and, and at the same time I was doing that, I applied to GSPM uh, because I had a professor at GSPM or at at Furman who told me that you know this is a great program, you you your interests align with what they're doing, you know it's a great master's, and uh, you should think about it. And I I applied and obviously got in. So in January of '05, I started both on the Hill in the same week. I moved. To DC in the same week, and I started at GSPM. Well, uh, we, we we won't hold it against you being a, a Rush Limbaugh baby. I, I, I certainly can't, as somebody who uh, listened to a lot of Rush Limbaugh in the car with my dad uh, growing up, and somehow, you know, I, I became a Democrat out of all of this. I don't know what that says about me or, or about Mr. Limbaugh or, or whatever else. But uh, regardless of all that, you get to the Hill in, in January of that year, as you said, and you spend about a year as a staff assistant um, before moving up to become a, a legislative correspondent and then and then a special assistant in in Congressman Conway's office. And, and in my experience, you know, those first few jobs that you have, you know, coming coming to D.C., especially uh, as being new to town and starting a career, those first few jobs teach you so much that you carry with you. Uh, into the future, what were the what were the biggest lessons that you learned from kind of that early period of career that you've been able to take with you on the path you've walked since? I think the best thing you can do when you're a young person who's starting out uh, in your first job or spot on the on the hill or anywhere else in politics is uh, make sure that you're putting yourself out there. You're offering ideas. You're you're being um, someone that's always available to your bosses to, to get things done and be creative. Um, I was one of the first um, Hill staffers to push my boss into starting a blog and then starting a podcast. And 
those sorts of experiences helped me along the way and in my future because you know no one else had done that and now today i'm organizing a, a podcast uh for country first and uh help start that so you know stuff from 15 years ago that i did helped me is helping me today so i think when you're young you've got to you need to be doing as much as you can you need to be meeting people you need to be um do, uh trying different things having as many internships as you can because when you get older you know you just life gets in the way of those things and you can't have as many challenges as you would uh when you're younger and you mentioned you know around this time you you're, you're getting started on the hill during the day and you're also attending uh, GSPM at night, and you spoke a little bit to how you kind of wound up there. What was your GSPM experience like, particularly as somebody uh, who was new to town, who was figuring this all out, uh, kind of doing it during the day, learning at night? Uh, what did you enjoy the most from your from your GSPM experience in those days? Well, Steve, I'm going to be honest with you. That was a really hard time. I mean, working full time on the hill and then doing night classes, I had zero social life. Uh, <laughs> what got me through it were friends at GSPM, were colleagues at, on the Hill. I mean, you you have to have a network, uh, and that's what GSPM does so well, is they kind of create this network of people that want to meet other people who are interested in similar things. And they also give you the experiences of meeting people that may not be uh, the type of people that you normally talk to. And you know, kind of going back to my Rush Limbaugh stuff, it's like, I'm no longer a Rush Limbaugh baby. My mother would call me a Democrat today. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I'm not. Um, but you know, it's, it, that changed me because of those experiences of talking to people, learning, uh, you know, learning different, uh, different perspectives and different backgrounds. And I think that GSPM does a great job because even on the Hill, you kind of get stuck talking to the same people and kind of the same mentality. I think that's one of the problems with politics today is we're not talking, uh, cross-partisan or different backgrounds. There's, there's no conversations happening. And you, you mentioned, you know, you're just at this point, you're just slammed, right? Doing work on the hill during the day, going to school at night. Life is, is very full uh, <laughs> to maybe understate it a little bit. Um, but I think one of the things that our, 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 our guests have talked about a lot is the nice thing about GSPM and going to school at night is, is, you know, your, the things you're learning in the evenings are hopefully, you know, directly relevant to, to the work you're doing in your day jobs. Hopefully it's being helpful. How were you able to kind of take those lessons you were learning at night at GSPM and then take them and apply them directly to the job you were doing during the day for, for Congressman Conway up on the Hill? Of so many ways. I mean, from polling to ad making to, um, grassroots organizing. I mean, I use, I still use all those things um, today and, you know, was using them in Mr. Conaway's office a lot. Um, so, you know, I think what GSPM does is they give you the building blocks, uh, the foundation for which, you know, you can then structure, you know, where you want to go, how, you know, what area, what field you want to be in. But to just have that set, that foundation is so important because then, you know, you're not learning on the job. You've already, you're already a step ahead of someone else who is learning on the job. So I think that's, that's the benefit of it. Um, and, you know, obviously things have changed. When I was going to GSPM, there was no social media. Well, social mm -hmm. media is a huge part of our political world now, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's been, 
you know, things change, but, you know, still having those foundational blocks uh, will allow you to kind of change with the times and, and grow and learn. You've obviously now graduated from GSPM. You've gone on to even more success in, in your own career on the Hill. You're, you know, now as a chief of staff, you know, involved in the process of hiring and promoting people uh, within your office. Um, so you've seen kind of kind of seen this from all sides. Um, what do you think, you know, graduate school is it's an investment, right? You're making an investment as someone who goes to graduate school in, in yourself and in your career. Uh, with the with the idea that that's going to pay off and you see some return in your career uh, over the long term, what do you think is what does that what does that return look like? What do you think is the most valuable thing that students can can take away from their time at, at GSPM that will help them succeed in their career? So when they come and they want a job in in Congressman Kinzinger's office, what's what are they going to learn from GSPM that's going to set them apart uh, when they're in those situations? I always tell anyone that comes in as an intern or someone looking for a job that you need to have a broad background to you. You know, you need to you need to have experience on in politics, campaigns. You need to have experience, you know, with letter writing and and um, legislation. And GSPM kind of gives you all that. It, it gives you that, like I said, that base for that framework. But the other thing it does that I haven't talked about is it's also a network. I, you know, I was at an event, a campaign event for my boss two weeks ago and ran into uh, one of the people that attended the event was a call, was a, a former um, GSPM alum that was in my class. Uh, you know, and we, we, our eyes nearly popped out of our head when we realized how many years it had been that we had graduated. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was crazy. Um, but you know, that network is still strong. I still run into people all the time and still talk to people. One of my best friends is a GSPM alum. And I think that's key. I mean, you know, the, the network is, you don't get that from anywhere else, that network. You're working on the Hill for Congressman Conway. You're going to, to school at GSPM. Life is very busy. You actually stay with, with Congressman Conway, for quite a while, you become a, a legislative aide for him uh, in 2007, and you you stay in that role for for another three years almost. There's there's obviously different approaches that folks have to to climbing the ladder on the hill, as they say. Some, you know, stay in the same office. Some jump around a bunch. Um, what motivated you to stay with Congressman Conaway for for so long, and 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 what did you make? What did you do to make sure that you were growing and progressing in your career, even as you were staying in the same role and the same office and the scenery was kind of staying the same? Yeah, I think that's really uh, an important part of, you know, figuring out your career path. I, for me, Mr. Conaway, great member, he's a former member now, um, he was my hometown member. So when you're working for your hometown, you're getting so much out of it that you wouldn't get working for another member from a place that you don't know. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that where I stayed a little longer um, because of that, because, you know, I was, I had relationships back home and, and I really appreciated the work we were doing for, for our hometown. So I think that's part of it. But I, I, I going back to your question of, you know, why'd you stay? I, I think eventually you do have to make a change. And that is probably, you know, that's one of the hardest things you can do uh, is making a change uh, in your career and, and making a decision like, okay, now is the time. 
to make that change. And, you know, it was difficult for me to do that because I was leaving my hometown. Remember, I ended up going to um, work for Charles DeJoux of Hawaii. He was a special election and he needed someone in his office to that knew DC, the new legislation uh, to help run his shop in DC. And uh, he hired me as his legislative director. And that was a hard, you know, that was a difficult decision, but I knew that if I was going to grow, I had to, you know, I had to make that jump. And um, it was, a, it was a difficult jump, but it was the right one. And, you know, to this day, I still work with Charles uh, DeJoux. He's a, uh, he's a, friend and someone that we, we work with regularly. So, you know, though figuring out that decision of like, okay, when have you learned enough? I think, yeah, everyone has to do that. Um, and I've been in my current role a long time. So I think, you know, we can get to that later, but, um, yeah, it's tough. It's difficult. And you, when you do eventually make that decision, you jump over to, to Congressman DeJou in, in 2010 and become his legislative director. Um, you know, you decide that, you know, you need to make the change. What was it like to, to go and, and be in a different office after spending, you know, the first five years of your career, which is a pretty long time, especially on the Hill where, where folks do tend to change a bit um, with Congressman Conway, were you able to kind of get a different perspective through that change and, and kind of seeing things from a, from a different side, just being in a different office? Totally. And being a manager, you know, becoming a real mm. manager in that office. I think that was a huge part of it because, you know, you're leading a team of people, um, in a way, in a, in a district, his district was, you know, much more competitive than Mr. Conaway's. So the campaign was full speed ahead, full gear ahead. And, and as a legislative director, you're not, you know, directly involved in the campaign, but, you know, in any election cycle, no matter who you are, you, you get someone involved if you care about your boss and you care about winning. Um, and so, yeah, I was very involved in, in, you know, hiring people and making sure that they're, um, you know, they're part of the team. And that was difficult. It was, it was, it was a tough road. I mean, I was working 12, 14 hour days, um, because we wanted to win. You stay with, uh, with Congressman DeJoux, uh, for a little bit longer before moving over to become uh, legislative director for Congressman Adam Kinzinger, uh, who you've been with in, in some form of f- form or fashion ever since. Uh, what what kind of first attracted you to uh, to Congressman Kinzinger and and made you wanna made you wanna work for him? So in 2010, Charles lost his election, uh, and so I needed to find a job. I mean, it wasn't just like I was making a transition; I had to get a new job. And um, the benefit of that was that it was a big Republican year. So I had a lot of options. I ended up um, looking at uh, five different members that I thought were the best fit for me. And Adam was at the top of that list. He was younger. He was a military vet. He was someone that just, you know, fit, fit all the boxes that I, that I had. And uh, I, anyone I, anyone that wants to go on the Hill who's looking for a job, I always tell them that to find the people that you think are the best fit for you. Um, because you don't want to just blast your resume out to, you know, 50 people. I mean, there's two different trains of thoughts, um, on getting a job on the Hill and it's, you know, get whatever job you can. And once you're on the Hill, you can then, you know, move around, uh, or I kind of believe that you need to find the job that you want and, and try to get into that job because, 
the people that stay the longest on the hill are the people that really like who they work for and believe in what they're doing. And the people that leave frequently are the ones that don't believe in their member, don't don't think that they're, you know, what they're doing is exactly what they want to be doing. So um, anyway, got on the, you know, Adam hired me luckily um, and yeah, started as his LD and have been with him ever since. And it's been a wild ride. <laughs> you eventually become chief of staff to Congressman Kinzinger in, in, in 2013, a role that you, you've been in for eight years or so now. Um, when you get to that point where you're now the top staffer and, and you're running the shop, uh, how does the job change from, from when you were working your way up? You mentioned how, how much you, know, you learned when you became a manager uh, with Congressman DeJoux. And now, you know, you are the manager. How, do, how does the job change when, when you get in that role? Well, it changes a lot because you no longer can focus on certain legislation. You, you know, you don't have the bandwidth to just, you know, focus on the legislation portion of the agenda. You, you know, you're, you go into a whole, the whole office structure and you're juggling balls in the air. The schedule is a huge part of, of being chief of staff. You have to make sure the schedule is, is appropriate because that affects the member directly. Um, you, know, you have to then hire people, fire people. That's a huge part of it. The budget is a huge part of, of being chief of staff. Um, and then the campaign, you have to, I mean, most, you know, some offices are different than others. You know, I help run the campaign. I don't, you know, I don't do it full time. I have someone in the district that does it, but um, you know, I'm helping making the decisions for the campaign as well. So it's, it's a full time, you know, it's a different, different job in that you're, you can't stay focused on one thing. You're kind of all over the map and your schedule in during the day is, is never uh, one thing. It's, you know, 10 things rotating over the course of the day. So it's, it's quite different. You've been with, with Congressman Kinzinger for, for over a decade now. And, and like you said, it's, you said it's been a it's been a wild ride. Obviously, he has uh, he's been in the national news a lot over over the last couple of years, much more so than your your average you know member of Congress might be. Uh, particularly because he's been he's been one of the few sitting Republican members who's been willing to kind of buck his party and and go against President Donald Trump on on some pretty high profile occasions. Um, what has that experience been like for you to just be in the middle of that? particular political maelstrom with him well it's wild i mean i you know trump was when he was elected in 2016 it was kind of it was a depressing moment for us i mean adam was a supporter of jeb bush i mean that went nowhere fast and uh it was a it was a kind of crazy times i mean we had hope we hoped that uh trump was going to be a um someone that was you know normal and you know kind of conservative Republican, and he was in some ways, but uh, as we saw at the end of it, it really spiraled out of control. Um, and, you know, I think for for both Adam and myself, we, we no longer felt like it was, um, you know, the this, this current political system was working. Um, and it, it really, it's becoming destructive. And uh, I think, you know, we, we believe that democracy is at stake. It may not be at stake in a couple years uh, or even 10, but if we continue on the path that we're on, where both parties 
no longer you know see each other as more of an enemy than the Taliban or um, you know North Korea, then we're in a real real problem for our country, and we'll we'll be in a civil war or some sort of uh, you know we won't have we won't have the constitution again. So um, it's been it's been crazy. It's been wild, and uh, you know I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad to have Adam as uh, someone who's standing up for uh, democracy, for truth, for honesty. And uh, we're doing what we can now to, 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 to uh, change the system. And um, yeah, so it's been, it's been fun. One thing I'm, I'm curious about, D.C. And, and especially the Hill, is often a place that you know is all about relationships and your connections and who you know. And so much you know, that comes down along partisan lines very often. Um, but you've been in, in a space over the last few years where, you know, your boss and, and your work is, has probably angered a lot of your Republican colleagues from time to time and kind of set you apart from them in some ways. And obviously, we, you know, you just talked about that from kind of, you know, Congressman Kinzinger's perspective and what it's like to be in the eye of that storm. But how do you think about that from kind of a personal pers- perspective as a, a staffer in a town where kind of the lifeblood of your career is is so often very tied to keeping tight relationships with other folks quote on your team as you would as as you might say is that something that's ever really been a consideration for you or are you just kind of putting your head down and, and doing the job and doing what uh you and and, and your boss feel like are, is the right thing for the country i so i do think about those colleagues and coworkers that i'm not speaking to right now and i hope that they realize that we what we are trying to do is like you said, help the country. Um, and I, I think a lot of them know that. Um, I think a lot of them realize that, you know, we're, we're trying to stand for democracy. We're trying to, to better the, the system that they're working in, but yeah, it's not going to, it's not easy. And, uh, there's definitely mistakes you make along the way. And, uh, like you said, relationships are huge. They're very important. And, uh, we've been, we've been empowered by the number of people that have found country first and have found Adam as uh, a voice of truth in this dark time. And, you know, that's what, that's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for those like-minded, reasonable people who want the country to be better. Um, And I think a lot of people on the Hill are that way after January 6th. I think they saw, you know, this dark period continue it and and they see us as trying to help with that and that's what we're that's what we are doing yeah you've mentioned a, a few times the work you, you're doing with country first for the for the benefit of our, our of our listeners just just say a bit about um what is country first what what are you all up to and then you know if you and i were going to have this conversation again you know 10 years from now what would you hope to be able to say, you know, you were able to, to leave behind as, as a result of this, this work that you're doing now with, with the congressman and with Country First? Yeah, no, I, thanks, Steve, for letting me talk about it. And I encourage all your listeners to kind of go to countryfirst.com to watch our videos, to read about what we're doing, to follow us on social media. And if you are interested in, in the work we're doing, to email me at austin at countryfirst.com. I'd love, we need talented people to help us grow. What Country First is, is we're trying to be a social movement. We are a social movement. Uh, and we're giving a voice to the reasonable people of goodwill who want the best for this country and believe the current political state is not functioning, is not working in the right way. 
And what in the long term, uh, we hope that both the Republican and Democrat Party move back towards reasonable people. Uh, right now, we don't believe that's what they are. They're talking to the fringe. They're talking to the extremes. And the people in the middle who, you know, have work, you know, have day jobs, you know, aren't following politics all the time, they're getting left behind. Um, and they're not, they're not being represented in Congress or in their home states. And so Country First is working to elect reasonable people. It's working to provide a solutions, positive solutions for a real opportunity in America. And uh, yeah, in, in 10 years, we hope there, there won't, we won't need a country first. We hope that both the Republican and Democrat parties are you know, put country over party. Um, but we're not there yet and we're not heading in the right direction. Yeah, and this won't be a, a surprise to you given the, the work that you're doing with Country First, but you know, trust in, in institutions of all, all kinds, certainly you know, in government, but also business and, and, and other institutions in public life, is kind of at an all-time low. Um, and that's particularly true uh, among young people. Um, what advice would you give to a young person who's just starting out about you know why they should even bother to get involved in any of this at all, right? Particularly with the the partisan rancor that so often that you've talked about that so often turns folks off from politics and government in general. And then if they do decide to get involved, you know how can they find their way to contribute? How can they find their way, their own path to to participate in our democracy and actually you know make some some type of difference? Well, I really hope. Uh, young people want to get involved because they're the only ones that are going to change this. I mean, I think they're the ones that uh, are going to push us out of, of the current state we're in. Um, and they need to, you know, to get involved, you can do a lot of things. I mean, you can be a volunteer, you can intern, you can um, get a job. And, you know, I don't think everyone has to work on the Hill. Obviously, I think, you know, you can work at home in your hometown areas and do and make a lot of change there. Uh, because if people, if like I said, if people of that are reasonable people of goodwill, if they are not engaged, it's going to continue to deteriorate. So we need we need young people more involved. And I would say, you know, get as for a younger person, get as many experiences as you can while you're young. I think I said that earlier, but um, you know, take on new roles you know, new internships and develop stronger relationships, get a mentor. I think those are all keys to, you know, learning uh, the process. And, and, you know, like I said, if, you, if you're interested in what we're doing, email me directly. Um, I'd love to talk to you about, you know, how you can be more involved. Last question. There are a lot of opinions about what makes for a successful career. In your experience, what have you found to be most important? Is it what you know? Is it who you know? Or is it some combination of both? I think who you know will get you in the door, um, but what you know is going to keep those doors opening. So, you know, it's obviously you need to have great relationships. You need to, you know, anytime you take on a new task and have an internship or have a, have experience, try to try to learn from those folks that are already there that you're working with and uh, show them what your what your value is because yeah they're going to help you get in the door you know open those doors for you and, and make new connections um, but then once you're there you know develop your expertise 
um, find find a path that works you know works for you whether that's you know in legislation or media or politics or campaigns you know figure out what your what your value is and what you really want to do long term and uh, yeah I think it's it's a combination but yeah it's 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 both wise words from a wise person Austin Weatherford. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to kind of share your insights and, and the lessons you've learned along your path with our with our audience today. I know I appreciate it. I know I learned a lot. I'm sure our audience uh, will feel the same. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Awesome, Steve. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing from some of, you, some of the listeners today. And uh, yeah, go GSPM. <laughs>